For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Before we begin, let me tell you quickly about Peterson Toyota, who is the largest dealership in Northern Colorado, and they've been doing it for 50 years. They have the best selection at the best prices, and their staff will help you find the car or truck that is right for you. Stop in and ask for general manager, Mike Kroos, who is a CSU alum, diehard fan, and a great partner to RamNation.com. Our longtime Ram Nation friend, Joey B, just did that a couple weeks ago. Not only was he treated great, but he got such a good deal, he walked away buying two cars. So Mike and his top-notch staff took care of him. They'll take care of you. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please give Peterson Toyota first shot at your business. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to Ram Nation Radio. I am Joel Canalamessa. I am joined by Michael Rowe. And today we have got Joe Parker, CSU Athletic Director. Uh, we just had him a month, maybe a little more than a month ago. And uh, the cool thing about this is this was actually Joe's idea. He wants to come on about every month and just kind of keep Ram fans informed, answer questions that people are having, and just be out in front of people. So uh, I love that. I love that from our Athletic Director. And we're, we're happy and proud that he is chosen to do that with us so that being said uh so i guess we'd start i'd love to start with basketball there was a great we had a great run great season in both men and women's basketball both kind of ended on a little bit of a down note but when you look at the the overall picture it was a very positive momentum uh, hopefully a springboard into 2022 um so 2021 2022 joe i'd love to get your thoughts on your perceptions on on basketball men's and women's yeah, yeah. Start with women first, but you know, it obviously, you know, Ryan, Ryan, um, you know, for a number of years was certainly uh, churning out conference championships, and then we sort of lost our way a little bit as he was trying to get his roster retooled. And, and you know, this was a great bounce back year for for that program. Um, you know, we we I think we talked a little bit about just sort of the the scheduling issues towards the end of the year as we kind of repopulated that last week with with missed games and. Certainly things could have been done, managed a little bit differently, but, you know, they, they, uh, they, they kind of ran out of steam. And I think for both of our programs, the, the 21 day layoff had impacts probably more so for the women's team than the men. They just didn't have enough opportunity to kind of self-correct and kind of get, get their feet back under them and, and, and uh, you know, really find the uh, right level of offense, but, you know, proud of what that program has done. Um, you know, Ryan is a, uh, a rock solid member of our coaching cohort and, and uh, expect, you know, that they'll, they'll be back next year. Now he's got some roster turnover. Um, he's losing some students to graduation. And, and I think there are a couple of students that are going to probably jump in or have already jumped in the transfer portal on the women's side. He did a, a virtual event to honor his seniors. And, and uh, so they're, they're active right now, you know, trying to find the right, level of talent to, to bring in to, to get the roster back where it needs to be to be competitive in the Mountain West. But I'm, I'm confident that they'll be able to 
make those appropriate steps. And then the men's program, you know, you know, obviously we all had huge disappointment when we did, didn't get selected for the NCAA tournament, you know, just missed it by a razor's edge and a lot of things that we could all do to kind of evaluate whether that was the appropriate decision by the selection committee or not. Um, but you deal with what you're, the cards you're dealt and what did they do? They, they embrace the opportunity to compete in the NIT. You know, sometimes teams just, you know, fold up when they, you know, when they experience disappointment, but certainly our men's basketball program did not do that. And, and I think they, they grew a lot um, through postseason, and it was awesome to see them compete. Um, you know, we made two trips into the state of Texas and played uh, at UNT in uh, Denton that first weekend and then and then had games you know the following weekend in Frisco and and you know just awesome you know I, I mean um, I was down there with Steve Cottingham who's our deputy athletics director and and a sport administrator for men's basketball and just on a number of levels it, it just felt good um, you know the team was able to connect with their families there was fans in the stands uh, limited for the NIT games but um, you know, they, they were able to connect with their families and, and see them post game and probably a little bit at other times as well. And after that first game, <clears throat> I've mentioned this a few times, you know, the families were out by the team bus when the students were coming out of the arena. And Nico said to me, hey, I'm getting a lot of questions about students wanting to go to dinner with their parents. What should we do? And I said, if this is if this if this crashes our program at the end of the season because of COVID, you know, let you know, you know, that's the way the season was meant to end. But fortunately, we didn't have any issues. They played all the games that they they were scheduled to play. And and certainly, um, you know, I think everyone watched that last game against uh, Louisiana Tech. And and uh, yeah, I you know, I'm never one to really ever make comment about officials, but I, I think they, they made some decisions early in the game that, that let, um, you know, certain players on the Louisiana Tech team play in a way that that uh, you know our team didn't have a chance to. I think our team had a hard time understanding how to guard um, you know their one particular player, um, and that 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 created issues. And and it was still a close game, and we still had opportunities. And and like with everything, you know, you just you gotta you gotta put the accelerator down and, and just make it not an issue where where uh, officials can play a role one way or the other. You know, based on your own opinion of how the game was called, but. Um, still very excited about the outcome and, and really look forward to, to building upon that. You know, men's basketball uh, loses no one to graduation and, and uh, we're, we're very optimistic about the way the program is going and the direction that Nico's taken them. Now, volleyball also concluded their season uh, in a kind of strange way with CSU not being in the NCAA tournament for the first time in Wow, almost three decades. Um, but obviously, there, there's change. We had a lot of graduation from last year, um, moving from fall to spring. Like some some programs played in this in the fall, some didn't. So, what are your thoughts on on the volleyball program at at this time? Yeah, you know, I mean, almost every year, Tom Tom kind of seeks the cover of it's a rebuilding year, and I think this was probably the first year that those there, there were truth in those words for him. Um, you know, just just a, a very young team. Um, you, you know, a lot of maturation I think occurred through the season. 
Um, you're right. I mean, it, it you know, you, you kind of get pulled out of your rhythm when you move a, a, a season from a small, fall sport to spring, but that, that occurred for most of the programs, certainly every program we compete against in the Mountain West. But, um, you know, a lot of growth, I think, happened. Uh, they, they started to find their way towards the, the latter half of the season. Um, you know, so I would expect that, that next year, you know, we'll, we'll see, you know, a lot more improvement, you know, get us back to the fall. Um, you know, the last few matches, you know, the New Mexico match, I think th that, that roster was shorthanded and we kind of ran right through them, um, you know, in a full sweep with, with uh, three consecutive sets. And then uh, San Diego State, you know, I think they were, they were kind of peaking at that moment in time. Tom, Tom has always said through the season, he felt like they were a better program than, than their earlier record had kind of demonstrated. And, and certainly it was a, a tough match, but, um, you know, our, our students learned and, and I think they're, they're going to take some time, uh, time away. And then, you know, our, our plan right now through spring and summer is we're, we're we want to resume as close to near normal operations. Obviously there's still things that we need to do to, to manage uh, COVID protocol and, and uh, you know, keep our rosters as safe as possible. But, um, you know, the university flips into virtual learning uh, starting on Friday for the last two weeks of the regular semester and finals week. And, you know, there's no question that our teams are, are going to continue. You know, there, a lot of them are in discretionary time periods where, where it's, it's voluntary workouts, but I think we got strong commitment across our rosters that they want to use this time as a time to improve and, and get ready for what's ahead as, as we kind of move, move into the summer operations where, where, uh, you know, certain programs get to actually do supervised hours of activity. And, and, um, you know, our, our plan always with this year was, you know, let's not compromise ourselves too much. Let's get as much as we can out of this year so that we can pivot into, into hopefully, you know, what I think is coming forward. And that is, you know, much more normal activity for all of us as we move into summer and, and certainly the fall. And so with, with success that we saw in basketball, there's going to be other schools that take note of the talent of our coaches. We've already seen coach Blunt move on to Iowa state. How involved, you know, in that process when, and we got to replace those guys. How involved are you in that process with, with Coach Medved? Does he have full autonomy to go and make those hires, identify those hires? Do you guys work together in that? How does that work? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the hiring decisions by, you know, for coaches, you know, to, to build their staffs is really entirely up to them. You know, you know, we, we all have really good working relationships, you know. So Nico consults me continuously as he's kind of working his way through those decisions. He relies on Steve Cottingham as well. Um, he certainly kept us in the loop as to what was going on with Jr. You know, I had a number of conversations with Jr. Um, and and it, and it's to be expected, right? You know, I mean, I, you know, I mean, for for us, you know, I I had um, you know concern when Minnesota opened up. You know, that that that's obviously Nico's alma mater, and it's where he's from, and. And, you know, I think that would have been, you know, a, a big challenge for our program if, if, if ultimately they had decided that Nico was, was the answer for their basketball leadership at this moment in time, you know, um, you know, so I was kind of thinking through, you know, what, what would, you know, what, what would I have to do to activate a coaching search? Fortunately, we weren't put in that position and, you know, Nico, Nico's committed here to Colorado State and I don't think there's any other place that he wants to be. Um, you know, at this moment in time, um, and that, and that feels really good. And, you know, you know, he, 
he also knew that, you know, the success of his program over the last three seasons was going to draw interest in his assistants. And, and, you know, when an A5 school starts to think that you're, you're the answer, whether it's from a head coaching position or an assistant coaching position, there's just things that they can do related to budget and the way that they're, they're financed that, that, you know, are, are, you know, different from us, you know, I mean, they can, they can increase salaries by, you know, 30, 40, 50% at times, um, you know, on the assistant coaching piece, uh, you know, and on the head coaching piece, you know, that, that's, you know, that's a different stratosphere. A lot of times, I mean, they can, they can go 300% of what we pay a coach or more. Um, um, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think JR had a great experience here. Uh, we talked about that. He, uh, he believes in the direction of the program under Nico's leadership. Um, you know, but he saw an opportunity that was, you know, in some ways, you know, transformational for his family. Um, and, uh, and it, you know, that's always going to be our challenge, but, but when we're having success and our coaches are, are being viewed as, as, you know, the answer to solutions at other places, that just makes it better for the, you know, the, the, the pool that we're going to assemble, you know, as Nico works his way through, you know, how he's going to reassemble his staff based on JR's departure. So, you know, all those things are positive. You know, you want to celebrate what happened to JR for JR and his family. And, and we get a chance to, to survey the talent landscape and find someone that can come in and, you know, maybe have a similar skill set to JR or, or fill some gaps that, that existed on the staff before. Chris, did we, did we pay out any bonuses this year for, for performance? I, I know that there was at least a 20 win bonus that was in place. There's a bunch of other things. I don't know. I didn't track to see if we hit them, but did we forego those this year due to the pandemic? Yeah, and so, so, you know, I mean, here, here's how special Nico is, you know, I think you all know that we renewed, extended his, his employment agreement with the university back, um, you know, before the, the actual start of the basketball season. And he, he went flat on his base compensation and uh, this year he, he decided to, you know, to tap out on any incentive compensation that he would have earned. Um, it, you know, it was 20 division one wins. Um, if he finished second or third in conference, that, that was another bonus for him. Selection to the NCAA tournament would have been uh, another bonus for him and, and selection in the NIT is a bonus. So, so he, he, I think all, all, all total, he probably passed up on, about $75,000 worth of incentive comp. I assume you have end of season meetings with all of your coaches as those seasons end. Um, what do those meetings look like? Um, do you review the season? What, what do we do different going into the next season? Can you tell us a little bit about that process? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So we, you know, we, we, you know, you're, you're always throughout the year, you know, you're having conversations, you're gathering information, you're providing feedback, but, but certainly, you know, when a season concludes, it, it, it's an opportunity to kind of really sit back, reflect, have the conversation, um, you know, and it always begins with, you know, from my perspective, you know, what, what do we need to be successful? What do we need to grow the program? What do we need to, to find ways to, to improve, um, you know, in, in, and you know what help do you need for me directly, and, and as a department, and, and as an overall university administration, and and it it's a big partnership, right? I mean it it's um, you know we we you know at the end of the season, you know I mean Nico and I haven't had our final sit down, you know by way of example with men's basketball, but but you know we talked about um, 
you know, the vulnerability of his coaching staff and, and, you know, that others are going to be seeking him. You know, we, we talked about the, the salary pool that's available to, to him to compensate coaches. We talked about the possibility, um, you know, of growing that. And, and we've looked into that. We pro probably likely will um, make a commitment to give him, you know, some more resources to keep coaches engaged or, or go out and find, you know, the best people he can if he has to replace replace uh, some of his staff. And, and um, you know, we, we've got, you know, the, the basketball locker room project, you know, that that's something that, you know, we've, we've got to re-energize and get, you know, ready to move forward on. Um, you know, I think we're, we're, we're fortunate that I think right now we've got most of that money in place. Obviously it's been a challenging year from a budget perspective. Um, but, but, you know, we, we've had conversations about that being, you know, another key resource to continue to grow not only men's basketball, but women's basketball, because, you know, that project was, was uh, two new locker room facilities for both those programs. And, and not only that, um, you know, the movement that would take place from uh, their old space to a new space uh, creates opportunities for two other programs. You know, we've always had a, a plan to land the soccer program into one of those locker rooms and the softball program into another. And, and by moving softball, that gave us a, that will give us a chance to expand the footprint for women's volley, of women's volleyball locker room. So, you know, we're always trying to figure out, you know, those ways. But, you know, back to the conversations with the coaches, you know, we we do an annual survey. This is the third year, third cycle that we've done it with uh, a company called Athlete Viewpoint. They're a vendor that we engage with that we do a student athlete survey uh, to really kind of understand across multiple dimensions, you know, what this experience has been like for them. You know, they, they evaluate their head coach, they evaluate assistant coaches within their program. They give an overall assessment of, of the experience here at CSU, not only being a student athlete, but being a student. Um, they evaluate, you know, every support unit within the department, um, you know, sports medicine, academic services, uh, facilities and event management, you know, they critique, you know, um, athletic leadership and, and uh, you know, all of that is kind of qualitative data um, or quantitative data rather. And then they, they can also provide qualitative, you know, feedback in, in the form of comments. And, and we make a full assessment of that information and we will typically sit down with every head coach and uh, myself and the sport administrator and we'll go through that um, you know, and, and have a, a, a conversation, you know, and, and see areas that, that need improvement and, and talk about those pieces and try and get a better understanding of what might be occurring within the program. And, um, you know, it's a great tool and, but it's not the only tool, as I said, you know, we're, we, you know, we've got a lot of eyes on all of our programs, whether it be sports medicine staff providing feedback to us, um, you know, same for academic services and you try and measure and, and, uh, you know, understand every piece of the program. And we've got, we, you know, we've got solid coaches. So those conversations are, are usually pretty easy and, and very conversational. That's pretty all encompassing. <laughs> that's that's a, a much bigger process than I was imagining. So uh, pretty fascinating. So uh, shifting over to football for a sec, uh, I would assume you were able to observe some of the spring session here. What were some of your observations of, of the team, of where this program is right now and in, in, well, I guess a partial second year of Coach Adazio and his staff. I'm just yeah. curious as to what, what, you've, what you've seen. 
Yeah, you know, I, um, you know, I, I meet with coach one on one weekly. Um, at, at, well, I say one on one. Cottingham, Steve Cottingham's in that meeting too. Um, and I told him as we were kind of rolling into the the tournament play for both basketball programs, I said, "I, I love you." Um, but I've got to put my focus on men and women's basketball. So the, the way that they scheduled spring practice with, with, you know, kind of starting earlier, I mean, really the same schedule they had last year, but with finish, finishing spring practice before spring uh, break, you know, to get 15 in, I didn't get over there as much as I would have liked, but, you know, each of those weeks, you know, we were able to get, you know, a download from his perspective on the growth that was taking place. Certainly they got in all 15 practices. There wasn't any disruption um, or, or broad disruption related to COVID. You know, I think they had a couple, a few cases that popped, uh, but, but they didn't have to dial down any, any one, um, you know, the entire team for any period of time by any means. So that, that was probably the biggest positive is that that, that was the first time since he's been here where he's had really a, a consistent run of the schedule that he put in place to, to develop the program, to develop the team. Um, they had a little disruption when we had the snowstorm. you know, that, that, that was some movement with a couple practices just because, you know, two and a half feet of snow was, was kind of overwhelming to get, to get that moved off the field. But we've got, again, a, a really strong facilities team, I'd like to shout out to Mark Paquette and, you know, that whole group, Tim and others that, that, you know, run almost 24 hours and we're getting snowfall to clean the field off and, and then, you know, they always get it down to the level that, that you know, the sun can do the rest. And, and uh, so it, it wasn't as disruptive as you would have thought it would have been. Uh, but I think they, they, they felt that they got uh, a ton of great work in. I think, you know, they're, they're continuing to kind of lay in the, the, the culture of toughness and what the expectation is for, for, for students in that space. I think they're getting a ton of buy-in from the guys as it relates to what they believe is necessary to, to, to build a, a, a program that can have sustained success. Um, you know, it, it, you know, he, uh, I, I did make it over to the final practice, which I think was last Thursday. And <clears throat> the post-practice message was, was all about, you know, you, you, you've got an opportunity. We've done an incredible level of work and, and don't retreat. You know, now we're moving into kind of discretionary where it's unsupervised activities. You know, now it's up to you to, to, to really embrace the investment that you've made in yourself and each other and the team overall and, and stay committed to conditioning and not, not stepping back. He had specific call outs for a few students that, that you know, I mean, I, I looked at them and I mean, they've made significant changes in the, in the shape of their bodies and, and uh, you know, dropping weight if they were needed to, increasing muscle, muscle mass otherwise. So, you know, what's going to occur in the next, you know, eight weeks is really important to not, not retreat, you know, not sacrifice or give up any of the, any of the, the ground, you know, ground, ground gain. So I'll study what we've done defensively with the D line. And I think he, he feels like the secondaries improved, you know, a lot. Uh, offensive line play, I think is going to be really strong. You know, receivers room probably needs some growth there. Um, you know, he still has an opportunity uh, with some scholarships to give where he's, you know, he's looking very carefully at the graduate transfer space and opportunities there that could bring, um, you know, some supplemental talent into the. 
just curious, like how has our season ticket renewal been again? I mean, we losing last season. I know that there's probably some loss, but I, I could also see some gain, you know, with uh, people having an opportunity to, to get more seats, like just like I did. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, Mike, I think it's, it's gone reasonably well. You know, you always, you always want better, particularly in that space. You know, I mean, there's still a lot of unsold seats at Canvas stadium. You know, we, we uh, you know, that that's our expectation. We'd like to fill it for as many games as we possibly can. Um, I think our renewal percentage is somewhere in the mid eighties which is about typical for most years uh, for us. You know, now a lot of that was, you know, and I, I you know, you never want to, yeah, I mean, it's all, all hard work and people, you know, have to stay committed to the program. But, you know, a lot of that was people that had left money in place from the 20 season, which obviously was disrupted and, and then just kind of forwarded in, you know, you spend it in their ticket bank, so to speak, on 21 uh, season tickets. Um, but, We've got, you know, we got a long road ahead of us. Um, you know, I think we've got a, a great theme across all of our six home games and, and opportunities to really tap into different groups to, to you know, fill the, the, the seats that aren't, um, you know, sold reserved as season tickets. Um, and we're, we're hitting the accelerator and, and the ticket office and our external operations are very well organized right now. We've got all renewals out and completed uh, for football. We've uh, got men and women's basketball out, and I think we just put volleyball out this week. So we're uh, we're ahead of schedule in, in many ways in, in that regard. And the guys have developed really strong tools for, you know, analytics. So we, you know, we've got really good ideas of of where we're doing well as it relates to to renewals and and, and sales for new season tickets. And we're going to keep pressing hard. Um, you know, we, we used to have an outside sales group, Aspire, that was with us. Um, you know, with what occurred last year, we we decided mutually to kind of step away from that relationship. So we're using internal resources to to manage our outbound sales efforts and, and all of our renewals. And, um, you know, there, there are probably a lot of familiar names and faces to, to many people, um, you know, but we're, we're trying to improvise and, and keep the right level of customer care in place. And, and make people, uh, you know, satisfied with the experience. I'm glad Dave Crum did his job. That would be what I would expect. And, and uh, you know, we always want to hear when we're, when we're not doing well, especially. Um, but, but it's nice to hear when we have, you know, created a positive experience for someone. Um, but you know, it's it's a continuous operation to try and improve. Um, you know, we've got the great relationship with tailgate guys. I think you you may have. You you've used them, right? Or have you not? Oh, but they they set up right. Ne- they have set up right next to us. Okay. Um, so yeah, d- uh, yeah. Witnessed how they they're they're set up and what they do. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's great. So they've been a really good partnership, and we we've expanded that. Uh, Chris Ferris is working right now with them to bring a sales resource on board, someone that would help them sell tailgating packages and and also um, group sales. So. Um, Steve Cottingham and I were on a call yesterday with uh, the Future Legends Complex, the, the, the leadership team that's building that complex in Windsor. Are you guys familiar with that at all? They, they're building, a, a, I think it's a 118-acre complex that yep. will have a, a stadium for baseball and soccer, which will be minor league teams that they bring in that'll be, uh, you know, kind of April through October timeframe. frame. 
Um, but then a lot of their activities are youth sports. And so we're talking to them about, you know, you know, just ways that we can kind of partner to, to really build awareness for both entities. And, and, you know, that would be a big target for us is, you know, youth sports and trying to get those for group sales. Uh, I think we're planning for the San Diego, or, uh, San Diego State, the, the South Dakota State game is being sort of our youth sports day. So, you know, we're, we're trying to turn over every stone and make it possible to, you know, really get people engaged around our program this year. Well, shout out to uh, Matt Carson, who's my my rep and helped me add a few tickets for football this year and is going to help me with, with some new hoops tickets uh, in the fall as well. So looking forward to getting back on campus, Joe. So we, and, we make it easy for everyone, right? So people right. can't say that, you know, oh, it's such a difficult thing to, to buy tickets or connect with someone at CSU. I mean, we're, we're, we're trying to be customer friendly, customer driven, you know, we understand the market, you know, we got to respond, we got to, you know, we got to be helpful and, and really go above and beyond. And, and a lot of things that we talk about is, you know, trying to, you know, create experiential opportunities. So, you know, if you're trying to do something unique on a game day, let us know, you know, we'll see if we can, if we can create some opportunities for people to see something, you know, behind the scenes, you know, practice, hopefully, you know, I, I you know, we, we had closed practices this this spring. Um, but, you know, as we move into, you know, the summer and, and for sure, you know, in August, and I know Nico, you know, provided that that we're permitted to do so based on COVID, you know, he, he, he wants to have as many people come in and observe practice as possible. You know, that's just part of his DNA. And he thinks that's a great way to grow the program and get exposure for, for, you know, what what's occurring with, you know, development of, of his team. And so, you know, if anyone's interested in doing those sorts of things, reach out to our external team and let them know, and they'll they'll do their very best to kind of include you. Awesome. Well, now we got to respect your time and and try to keep these calls with you a little bit shorter. But I did have one more question, more related to the the conference than than CSU. But another year of NCAA tournament basketball and another kind of a flop for our our top teams who made it. Do you have any personal opinions why the Mount West has struggled historically uh, year after year with, with our performance in the NCAA tournament? Is that something that you and other league ADs evaluate together? Is Could it be something the way that the league is officiated throughout the year? And then when you get to tournament play, it's different. I mean, I've been, there's got to be some sort of explanation. It can't just be a coincidence that for the last decade, we flop in the, in the NCAA tournament every year. Do you have any thoughts? Um not immediately, you know, it, it, you know, good point, you know, it's, you know, we, we do spring meetings, um, you know, so that's something we should talk about. We all, you know, what we talk about more is, you know, getting teams to the tournament, you know, so that, that's been probably our greater challenge, you know, it's first getting teams in and then, and then seeing, you know, if we can get, you know, figure out a way to be competitive, play more and earn more units. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't have an answer for San Diego State and, you know, Utah State. You know, I don't know if they sense that there's transition coming within their program leadership wise, but, um, you know, we, we, we obviously need to get better. I think, I think there's been a lot of improvement across the league, you know, with, with teams kind of getting, uh, getting better. You know, it, it felt like there was, you know, more bona fide competition, you know, certainly in the top half of the conference and even even for those schools that are still trying to, you know, develop the programs more. Um, but, you know, that's, you know, 
you got some ideas for us, Joel? I mean, because you, you're <laughs> officiating right away. I don't know. You got some concerns. Well, I, I mean, I, I really I don't have any data points there. Just you wonder if maybe there's something related. It's the only kind of common thing I can think of is that, you know, you've got the same group of officials all year and maybe they call things tighter or not as tight. Um, and then you get into a more physical tournament play. Maybe it's just called different. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I know it. it it doesn't just damage the league's rep, you know, when, when this happens every year, but there's a lot of credits and revenue left on the table when we don't advance. Right. So yeah. it'd be yeah. nice to see us improve there. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and then last thing, um, just cause of this just happened the other night, but Gonzaga may, had a great season, obviously made a run to the championship kind of fell short there. But um, a couple of years ago, there was a possibility of them joining the mountain West. People are, kind of varying in their opinions of this, but curious to where you fall, would you have been a proponent of them in the league? Or do you think a not a school that does not have football and the, you know, the support that has to go to football, is there an imbalance with a school like that joining your league? Yeah, I, I think we're, we're, you know, we have been, we are at a point where, you know, we've got to exercise creativity. You know, I, I was a proponent of, you know, if we could have navigated that, uh, that, that membership dialogue to the right place. I think it would have been a, a great addition for our conference. Um, you know, uh, you know, Gonzaga's built their program to the point where, you know, they, they make their decisions, right? So they, you know, it, it wasn't like the league had any necessary leverage if they would have felt like there was an opportunity to, to, you know, get their program where they need to be to be a part of the Mountain West. You know, I think what happened is they got more favorable, um, you know, financials out of the West Coast Conference and, and uh, you know, got, got the access that they wanted to the NCAA tournament. And they, they were granted some concessions that made it best for them probably just stay stay where they're at. But, you know, I think, I think you know, we, I think it, it was a genuine conversation. I think, I think they, were, they were very open to, you know, what, what we could provide and offer. And, and I think in some ways, you know, they're, I don't know, you know, I, that their regular season scheduling, you know, they've got St. Mary's in the conference and, and, you know, you know, BYU. BYU. And then beyond that, it's sort of difficult, sort of hard, um, you know, do those regular season games give them the right level of preparation when they play in front of, you know, very modest crowds, you know, relative to where they would play in front of, you know, some of the schools that, and crowds that are within the mountain west so so i don't know you know you never say never that the dialogue can't be jump-started again but but uh i would have been very happy if we could have brought them in the conference mm. agreed mike you have anything else before we let joe go no uh thanks again you know we really appreciate it and i know that the people on the message board appreciate it and a lot of csu fans do so thanks yeah. thanks again joe i mean this this has been great and answered a lot of great questions so yep let's keep well, doing hopefully, it. hopefully get a chance to take a breath here now that a couple of these uh these sports have concluded and uh you and kyle as well i know kyle's still listening in here but i uh, appreciate your time joe thanks and look forward to talking to you again soon absolutely guys go rams go rams go rams all right before we let you go please let us remind you to stop by mighty river brewing company try one of their more than a dozen fresh beers on tap they just had their Colorado Pint Day celebration on Wednesday, this Friday, April 9th. They've got live music with Chillax. Uh, they've got Mile High Lobster Shack coming in with their food truck on Sunday, April 11th. 
This place is awesome. Dan Miller is one of our favorite guys ever. Go in there and support them. We got a bunch of people from our March Madness bracket contest that just concluded this week uh, that are going to be able to go in there and, and get their free beer taster flight. The top three finishers also are getting their free filled growlers. So a lot of happy people coming up. They'll be stopping in there to get their freshies. I hope you do as well. And if you're looking for another night out, we highly encourage Ginger and Baker, one of our favorite places in all of Fort Collins. They are fully open now. The cafe has been open, but now the Market Bakery, the Cash Restaurant, their teaching kitchen. Man, this teaching kitchen is a great place to get a night out with your significant other. They've got great teaching nights. For instance, April 24th, they've got taco night where you're going to learn how to cook corn tortillas from scratch. Poblano and sweet potato tacos, pico de gallo, how to make that from scratch, avocado sauce. You get hands-on instruction from one of their top chef instructors. It is awesome. So check out the website to learn more and all that Ginger Baker has to offer. All right. That is Ram Nation Radio. Thank you to Joe Parker. Thanks to Kyle Neve for helping set this up and for my partner, Mike Rowe. Thanks to all you Ram Nationers for listening. Go Rams.